Um, so, guys, let me just kind of remind you where we're at, um, and in, in the hopes that that uh, you'll keep coming back and uh, hearing some 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 good sermons, if not from me, then from the people who follow me. Um, Kath spoke. We're in the series on Psalms. As Matt, as Matt said, we, we we're sensing the Lord calling us into uh, vulnerability. We are we're sensing that He is wanting to restore us and, and revive us in a very real way. Um, this gets me really excited, um, although it is painful at times. Um, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, Kath spoke. Um, on some introductory uh, points and on a few psalms, which, I, which I'll mention in a while. Uh, and last week, Nicholas spoke on, on, on rejoicing and praise in the psalms. Um, and we had, we had a lot of fun uh, dancing around. Um, tonight, I'm, I'm talking about uh, warfare, uh, so psalms of war, uh, and a little, bit of, a little bit about rest. And... To kind of bring some balance, um, Matt Rosenbaum next week is going to speak on the Psalms of Lament. Because um, even as we, as we look at war and we look at victory, there's a reality to life where there are times where we lament. There are times, and there, even tonight we had a prophetic word for, for people in the body who are going through a hard time, who are going through a dark night and are waiting for Jesus to show up. And that's a part of life. And so we're going to talk about the reality and actually the good that God brings through lament. Um, and then the week after that, I'm going to speak on hope. All right, so we look, we're going to look for hope in the Psalms. Um, again, it's going to pull our eyes up. Uh, Matt will do that as well. Um, but I'm going to focus in on hope, and then Kath is going to talk about on intimacy again. And throughout all of these different talks, there are themes that flow. So I'm going to be talking a bit about rejoicing and a lot about intimacy. And so obviously these themes flow throughout the Psalms. Um, but they are the themes that I believe God wants us to really take on board. Um, and so if, you, uh, if you're wondering kind of where we've been, where we're going, uh, if you've missed a sermon or two, hopefully that helps. Um, now, if you've read the Psalms in any sort of serious way, you know that there are a lot of Psalms about war. Um, I thought, well, I'm just going to go through Psalms. And I'm going to pick, like, the first, you know, however many. And I got to about Psalm 25, and I think I had, like, 20 of the first 25. You know, you apply to war and conflict and struggle and wrestle. Um, so, so it's like, Lord, that's not going to work. Um, and so I'm going to read one or two, but um, let's read Psalm 144 together. This is the one I'm going to refer to most and it's the one I believe that um, God wanted us to be focused on for a few reasons. So Psalm 144. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. O Lord, what is man that you regard him or the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. 
Touch the mountains so that they smoke. Flash forth the lightning and scatter them. Send out your arrows and rout them. Stretch out your hand from on high. Rescue me and deliver me from the many waters, from the hand of foreigners whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God. Upon a ten-stringed harp, I will, I will play to you, who gives victory to kings, who rescues David, his servant, from the cruel sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. May our sons in their youth be like plants full-grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. May our granaries be full, providing all kinds of produce. May our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. May our cattle be heavy with young, suffering no mishap or failure in bearing. May there be no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. So I'm going to come back to this in a little while. Um, so um, I think it was late last year or early this year, I did a series uh, on spiritual warfare. Okay? If you weren't here, then please listen to those. If you want to press into more about spiritual warfare, the nature of spiritual warfare, and more of the kind of ideas of what it looks like to you know, engage and participate, um, I'm going to be a little bit more, a little sort of higher view tonight. Um, I can't obviously do, do everything in this one sermon. Um, but it is, um, it is easy to forget that we are born into a world at war. Okay, so I think that's the expression I used when I preached. Um, it's particularly easy to forget that when we live comfortable lives. Um, and I know many of us don't. Um, but... You know, one of, the, one of the blessings that I've seen of, of COVID and one of the blessings of sort of political turmoil that we are seeing around us as we see the sort of familiar things around us get shaken is that the sort of safety and security of our Western comfortable Christianity, it starts to lose, it's, it starts to lose its attraction. It's the veneer starts to fade. I don't know, um, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's seen that. Um, as I've mentioned before, sorry Luke, I know you got this perfect for me and I have to mess with it. Um, as I've mentioned before, um, I, a lot of my work at Taylor is focused on the persecuted church. Um, and you won't be surprised to hear that you never have to persuade a persecuted Christian that spiritual warfare is real. They, they, um, they are amazed that any Christian could not just think it's not real, but live like it's not real, explicitly real all the time. And I think one of the blessings that we're going to get over this time is that we all start to wake up again to this. Because I believe that's part of what God's doing with wanting to revive us, is he's wanting to remind us that we are essentially at war. Okay, which is not a particularly nice thought, is it? Um... I know we have one soldier in the room. I don't know if we have any others, um, any other veterans. 
I know Kath, the best she could do was talk about paintball when she spoke. Um, I never went to war either, fortunately. I missed it by about five years, um, for which I was very grateful. Um, I did, however, play paintball with a U.S. Marine sergeant. He didn't get hit once. It was amazing. <laughs> played for like two hours. Not a single paintball touched him. He obliterated everyone. <laughs> anyway, you're just like, okay, I'm a baby. I'm a novice. <laughs> I never actually want to take part in a real war. Um, so the reality is that we are in a war. We are in a world at war. Um, Jesus, um, as you recall, he said that the kingdom of God suffers violence and that violent men take it by force. The kingdom of God suffers violence and that violent men take it by force. And, and uh, Bible scholars, it's a, the way that um, this scripture is written, it, it, scholars take different interpretations. Um, the ones that I trust, the ones that I think are more persuasive, uh, are, so it's not about the kingdom of God kind of sitting back and, and suffering violence, it's about the kingdom of God going forward and suffering violence as it moves forward. Okay, and, and the reason that sort of translation is more reliable is that Jesus quotes two prophets who were not the sort of timid types, Elijah and John the Baptist. Okay, guys who were expanding the kingdom. The kingdom of God suffers violence and violent men take it by force. Um, that the, the kingdom of God, you know, we, 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 talk about, um, we talk about miracles a lot in this church and we love seeing God move. We love seeing God transform lives. And the kingdom of God, wherever the kingdom of God is moving, we should be seeing brokenness turned into health. Brokenness turned into healing. And that could be about a physical body. That could be about an emotional issue. That could be about a political or cultural system. That could be about a religious system. But the kingdom of God should always cause a reaction because when that light of God comes, it should be hitting up against something that is evil, something that's demonic, and causing a reaction. Just to remind us, the scripture I, I'm sure we're all familiar with, but you know, one that we have to always have at, the, at, at um, the heart of our faith, Ephesians 6, where Paul wrote, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And, uh, you know, we don't have to try hard to see um, signs of rulers of darkness in our age, um, whether it's war or suffering or persecution or sickness whether it's the political strife that we're seeing and terrible things um, that we're seeing in this country, things around racism and hate. We see those things all over the world. There are things for the kingdom of God to confront. And obviously, Jesus gave us his authority. Um, and this is one of those scriptures which, we, we, you know, when, when Jesus um, gives his authority to his disciples, um, he also says to his disciples, um, you know, go out and heal the sick, cleanse the leopards, Sorry, heal the sick, raise the dead. Come on, demons, yeah. And as I've said before to those and some of my students are in this room, I love asking my students what did Jesus command us to do. And it's amazing how long it takes students to get to that point. We get all like the love stuff, the repentance stuff, the forgiveness stuff, all that stuff. 
It takes so long for students to get to that point where they remember, oh, Jesus said, <laughs> raise the dead. That's really hard. Heal the sick. Maybe we can do that one, but that also seems really hard. And cast out demons. Well, I'm not sure they exist. I'm not sure if I know how to do that. And, you know, and this is what Jesus told us to do. This is not just an idea that we're supposed to nod our heads to or think, oh, well, maybe he was talking metaphorically. Um, he gave us our, his authority that the kingdom of God would expand. Um, and you know, some of you will know Jack Hayford, the, the pastor. Um, you know, he, he, he writes about, he talks about um, how acts of kindness and acts of love are so important. They are, they are marks of the Christian faith. And they do expand the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God will only go so far with those things. Because those acts of love, those acts of kindness, they have to be part of this bigger, bolder approach of the kingdom, which is to pray and to worship, and to intercede, and to confront the demonic, and to heal the sick, that we see the kingdom of God explicitly displayed. Now, as Amanda said, um, they've been watching The Chosen. I presume a lot of you have seen The Chosen series. Some of you haven't. It's worth watching. I've only watched the first two. It's worth watching. Um, but, you know, and it's, you know, obviously it's based on the gospel, but they, they, padding out the stories and so not everything is like taken from the details of scripture but even in that first episode there's such a wonderful display of authority where you have this you know you have Mary who's plagued by demons which we know from the scriptural account and you have this senior rabbi this great learned rabbi who goes with you know with with the rituals of his religion which actually God prescribed you know so there is actually power if they're done with with faith but this rabbi does his ritual, and basically the demon chases him out the room, and he fails. And then we see, you know, we don't know in Scripture exactly how Jesus did it, but this, you know, the, way that, the way that the direction of the chosen show it, that Jesus, all Jesus does is speak Scripture to her, Scripture that's dear to her, and she knows that she is his, and the demons are gone in that moment. You know, it's, it's similar to the, the first time we see in Scripture where Jesus confronts the, the demonized, well, it doesn't actually confront him, it's not really a confrontation, it's just a word, but Jesus is in the synagogue, I think in Capernaum, and, you know, and, he, and this, this demonized man confronts Jesus. And I wonder how many times he'd been going to synagogue with that demon in him, perfectly content. And Jesus rebukes him, and the man is freed. And the people are amazed. There is authority that is given to us. Um, David starts this psalm. And I, I think this psalm could finish off the first um, two verses, and I'd be happy for that to be an amazing psalm. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Uh, some of you... Um, may recall a story I told, and it was a long time ago, so maybe you don't, and I'll do the brief version, but um, this man in the UK who was a um, really sort of high-level Satanist, um, well, let's just say he got converted through supernatural means, through encountering the fact that Jesus was <laughs> stronger than Satan. Um, and he then, you know, when he became a Christian, he became this amazing Christian man, um, but of course he he had spent his days under Satan fighting war against the church, strategizing against the church. 
And so it was really interesting hearing him um, speak because you kind of hear from the enemy's camp, as it were. You know, this is what we used to do. But the thing that, that the one thing that he said that struck me more than anything else is that he said as when you got to kind of his level, whatever, you know, uh, he would walk down the street and he would um, come across Christians um, and he would laugh at them because they had absolutely no power. And they were just no threat. But he said there were other times where he would come across what he then discovered when he became a Christian was a spirit-filled Christian. And he said that the, the light shining out of them was so bright that he would, have to, he would have to cross the street. He couldn't be in the radiance of that light of God that was emanating out of them. That these were men and women that he couldn't take on because of God, God's authority in them. Now, David, um, David praises God because he's been trained for war. We know from Samuel that David was trained for war from when he was looking after sheep. He killed lions. He killed bear. Um, and when I asked the Lord, you know, why Psalm 144... Um, they're kind of three focal points, and this is really the first one. And it's a simple question. Is, is are we, as Christians, are we willing to be warriors? Not warriors, Olivia, because a lot of us do worry, okay? But well, they do sound exactly the same, don't they? Yeah, when I say that, how do you say it? Warriors. Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Warriors. So, <laughs> so when <laughs> um, I do believe God is asking us that question. Are we willing to be warriors? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Now, Larry was telling me before church, and we, we're going to have to have testimony soon because Larry's starting to rack them up, Matt. Um, Larry's been having a, a whole sequence of dreams over the last month, all of which involve him going into places that normal Christians wouldn't go and seeing people saved. Um, and actually most of them confronting explicit demonic uh, forces and people involved in the satanic. That's exciting if you're starting to have those dreams and they're regular. Okay? And one of the things I love about Larry and when we talk about lament and when Matt talks next week, you know, Larry, I think you've probably seen more of what hell could look like than many of us. Um, you've probably seen more of hell, what hell looks like than us. You've seen some bad stuff. Yeah. Bad stuff. And what I love about Larry is Larry sees the people on the street who the rest of us would probably be the ones that we run away from. The ones that are talking to themselves. The ones that haven't bathed for weeks. He's like a magnet to Larry because he sees death on them and he, Larry wants to bring God's life. And I love that. Larry wants to be a warrior and, and that's an awesome thing. Um, now... <laughs> I can't do anything tonight just to say, well, you know, we're not trained for war. Um, but the message of the psalm that David says, God, you have trained me. You've trained my fingers. You've trained my hands. I was, um, I was probably in my um, mid-20s when I, I was, um, I don't know what the right word is. I, I was 
I was grieved. I was, it was kind of like an assault of truth against my heart um, that I wasn't operating in the power of God. Um, and actually, the scripture that's on Larry's shirt, 1 Corinthians 4, 20, 23 to 20, sort of 22, you know, the kingdom of God is, is of power, not of words. That I, I heard that scripture in a sermon, and, and, and it just wrecked my heart. And I, and I spent days and then weeks crying out to God, like, I don't have this. Um, it was... Um, it's like I, I knew I was God's son. I knew I had authority, but I knew I, would, I wasn't realizing. If I had a kind of sword of the spirit, it either stayed sheathed or was a little dagger. You know, there was something, there was something out of kilter. There was something just out of whack with what God wanted for me. And over weeks and then months, God trained me. Uh, and, I, and I've still got a lot of training to do. Um, but, you know, you've, you've heard me speak of, the, of that Many of you heard me speak of the, of the time I saw my dad, you know, deliver someone from a, a demon with, a, with a, just a touch to his chest. Um, and, like, that trains you. You get trained when you encounter things that are beyond you. And your only recourse is the Lord. When you pray for people where you can literally smell death on them. And it's the weirdest emotion or weirdest sensation that you can smell death and you see the Lord move and bring life in a moment. Who was it that said faith is spelt R-I-S-K? I don't know who said that, but was it you? It was Matt. I don't think that's true. But, um, you know, risk, faith involves risk and, and being trained involves risk. I think when David was fighting bears and lions, it took risk to not run away. And I don't know, I might have run away. He didn't. And um, warfare, you know, we can talk about spiritual warfare, and it, and it can be kind of weird and demonic stuff like that. It can happen. And, and I want us to be a people that if someone comes in the store and manifests a demon, that it doesn't phase us at all. Because the kingdom of God is here, and the kingdom of God will bring freedom. But we have confidence in the God that's inside us, that victory will come. Okay, but it's not always just about these explicit sort of confrontations. Um, when, when we think about the authority that we carry, when Jesus said to his disciples, and when you enter a home, let your peace rest there. Or you can take it back when you leave. When you go away on holiday and you go to a hotel or you go to an Airbnb, do you have spiritual senses to know what is going on in that place? Is it good or evil in that place? If it's evil, do you pray it out before you stay there? When you go into a coffee shop or into a restaurant, and you know, obviously I love you doing this on the bridge, um, when you go into a coffee shop, a restaurant, any business, do you leave your peace there? Do you intercede while you're going around Myers, asking the Lord, are there people that you can bless while you go around? And you can be bold and brave and go and pray for them, or you can just intercede, pray over them. Pray in the spiritual realm for them. But that, that idea of being a warrior, of having our hands trained for war, is that we are willing to wield the sword that God has given us. And it's that willingness to wield. I... When, when, I, when I think of some of the most profound transformation I've seen recently, um, 
you know, you, you, most of you know my daughter Grace, she's you know, one of the sweetest things on the planet. Um, very compassionate, doesn't get angry very often except with me. Um, I've, I've seen her take students of mine at Taylor who are broken, who have addictions, um, and they, they know each other because they play rugby together, and I've seen her intercede over them, and I've seen her call them to prayer, and I've seen God meet these guys and transform them. And I've known these guys for three or four years, and maybe I've rubbed off positively in some way, but I haven't led that transformation. And Grace is quiet, and she's sweet, and she cre- her compassion creates a safety for these guys to step into. And their lives have been transformed. And that's a beautiful thing. And it's a, it's a quiet warrior's spirit. If you want to meet a true spiritual warrior, find someone who intercedes. Not the guy up front who prays against demons. Find the woman who's on her knees praying over a city, praying over a family, praying over a church. That is what being a warrior looks like. So, last uh, three weeks ago when Kat spoke, just to, for any of you who missed it, um, I just want to just remind us, she, she talked about Psalm 139, the, the, the purpose of identity, of knowing that we are God's children, that we are made by Him, that we have a purpose in Him, that if we are going to be soldiers, if we are going to fight, it has to be rooted in that identity. Not a man-made zeal. All right. Our identity in God. Kath spoke from uh, Psalm 23 about, about you know, God's rod and his staff, about God's strategy, about how God will lead us through places of peace and places of rest, and you'll lead us even into the environment of our enemy, and he is with us. So we look to God for our strategy, and we know that he is with us. And then Kath read Psalm 63, that um, any victory, every victory that we receive comes out of intimacy with God. Always comes out of intimacy. When you go back to Psalm 144, those next few, the next are reverse two. God for David, he is my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer my shield, and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. David is, is a man that we know. He's called the worshiping warrior. Um, he, <laughs> he, well, let me read these and I'll go back. Psalm 55, he says, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. And of course in Psalm 144 he said, I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings I will sing praises to you. The one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David his servant from the deadly sword. We see that from his earlier life. You know, I love it that when he goes to fight Goliath... He takes his experiences of fighting a bear and a lion. He's like, God was with me there. I knew I did the right thing there. I know this is the right thing, because who is this whatever giant, six, seven foot whatever giant of the Philistines, who is he to stand against the armies of the living God? Of course I'm going to win. 
because God is with me. But that confidence doesn't come from the fact that he's trained himself. That confidence comes from the fact that he's been in God's presence. Um, and um, I'm going to finish with a few comments about rest. Um, but we can talk about warfare, and we can, we can kind of we can get this zeal. This, and zeal is great. Okay? God is a zealous God. Um, but zeal can be man-made. Uh, and a soldier, if you want to join the army, you go to boot camp. You train for weeks. Occasionally, there's these kind of these people who somehow skip that part. I don't understand that, but yeah. Anyway, um, you're supposed to go to boot camp. You train. You develop. You build stamina. If you go for the Navy SEALs, it's you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it goes up a level. The the abuse your body has to take, physical, mental, psychological abuse. You train yourself. When it, when it comes to spiritual warfare, it takes discipline because you have to be disciplined to press into God's presence. You have to make the time. But <laughs> you become an effective soldier by submitting to God's presence because you can't force connection with God. You can make yourself available and then you've got to submit. But don't lose sight of the fact that the dedication is still there, that desire to know him more, the desire for more of him, the desire to be more effective, but it comes out of pressing into him. And it comes out of worship, like David, praise him. I love it in psalm after psalm after psalm, David confronts these terrible things. And he, you know, he, he, um, he lifts these up to God. And then the next thing, he's praising. And he's worshiping. And this is the man who is trained for war. This, um, you know, I, I, you, know, you kind of wonder, what did the kings around David think? Like, this king of this small country, and he keeps whooping us. He's trained. He can go to war. He knows how to do it. But he goes to God. He knows that God is always with him. God is with him because of this legacy of intimacy. Right, just a few more points here. Um, you'll notice um, there's this section where you know, David talks about, you know, touch the mountains, they shall smoke, flash forth, forth lightning and scatter them. He uses this language to illustrate God's engagement in battle. Um, and he does, this, he does a similar thing in, in um, Psalm 18. He uses the same language. Um, but I, I wanted to just read the last, um, or some of the last five verses of Psalm 18. I've pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. I have wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also given me the necks of my enemies so that I destroyed those who hated me. They cried out, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them. As fine as the dust before the wind, I cast them out like dirt in the streets. It's kind of vicious, isn't it? Um, it's strong language that David uses here. In some of David's Psalms, we see this oppression, this challenge, this war, and then we see him turn to God in prayer and praise, and he says, you'll take care of it. Okay, and if I had more time, I'd read many more psalms. 
Psalm 18 is one of the ones where we see him actually explicitly state his role. And I love that about David, that there are times where he rests in God's presence. There are times where he says, Lord, you've got this, and I will wait on you. And there are other times where you see him engage very physically and tangibly in the battle. But I wanted to read that psalm because you know, it was one of the more vicious ones where David's really explicit about his victory. Um, and this, this, isn't a, a kind of, this isn't a formula, but um, you know, some of us on ministry team, you know, we've, we, we've prayed with people and, and the Lord reveals something that has been oppressing this person. Um, basically, what the devil does to kill and to steal and to destroy. And you, and you lead the person in prayer um, and you, and you kind of get this, this prayer that's like, Lord, like help me, like, um, I rebuke you, Satan. You know, and the power isn't in volume, okay, or anything like that. But um, but I, I, I believe God wants us to, <laughs> to start seeing with a bit more clarity the viciousness of the enemy. And actually being willing to stand against him. Because when bad things are happening around us, when people's lives are broken, these are not just passive, simple things that we should just say, well, hopefully someone takes care of this. Or if, I'm being, if, if Satan is stealing from me and trying to destroy my life, I don't like that. You know, and part of, part of warfare is having a zero tolerance <laughs> viciousness like David. I will break you into the dust by the authority of Jesus. Because you are not part of his kingdom and I will not have you as part of my life. Let's not tolerate things. Be willing by the Lord's leading always to be vicious. You know, I'm only ever vicious in my prayers when I'm by myself. Okay, maybe with Matt or some other guys. Okay, I don't walk down the street praying vicious prayers at the top of my voice. It looks weird, doesn't necessarily build the kingdom, okay? Be circumspect, be wise, listen to the Lord's leading. But there are times to pray. I prayed with someone last week and, and they prayed a prayer and I said, no, that's great and you said the right things, but like, it feels like you don't take it seriously that this thing's been stealing from you. Jesus hates this thing because it's been stealing from you and you need to crush it. Now pray with his authority. Treat this thing like an enemy. And the power that flowed then was amazing. Now, let me finish with a few points about rest. As I said, um, to emphasize, we can be tempted to focus on human zeal, especially, you know, if you, somebody's more competitive, more just if you're an A-type personality, whatever, there's all sorts of things like you're more gung-ho for this sort of stuff. Okay, and, and human zeal is always going to run out. At some stage, it's going to run out. Ask Matt. He keeps talking about brokenness. Okay, <laughs> right? It will run out. When we, when we engage in warfare, we pray from that place of intimacy with God. So if we are intimate with God, we will be more alert to his voice. We will know when to pray and when not to pray. I often have had prayer times where I'm praying and I know the person is heavily oppressed by a demon, if not possessed. 
and the Holy Spirit does nothing. And I do nothing because the Holy Spirit's doing nothing. Why? Because that person's not quite yet ready to get rid of it. They're not yet ready to repent. They're not yet ready to forgive. They're not there yet. And God's got them, so I'm not worried. He's got them. But this is not the time. So I'm not going to sit there and shout at this thing because God's not in it. So why, what am I going to do? Okay? So if you, if, you, if you have intimacy with God, you, your ability to hear his voice is there. If you, are, if you have intimacy with God, <clears throat> you will have a heart that is repentant. Don't ever, ever take part in spiritual warfare if you have an unrepentant heart. I guess golden rule. Okay. Um, we're never perfect, okay? But if you are spending time with God, the Holy Spirit will be convicting you, and your heart will be clean before the Lord, and you have so much more authority in that position. And intimacy with God will do that. And there's two, there's so many Psalms that, that capture this, but two of my favorite, which I want to read tonight, Psalm 3 and Psalm 37. Tyler, is it Psalm 3 that you wrote a song about? Or 4. Okay, that was one of the other ones. All right, Psalm 3. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. I love this verse. Um, I know many of us, when we go through stressful times, we may lie down, but sleep can be hard to find. David is confronted by tens of thousands who are opposed to him, but because of his knowledge of God, even, you know, once he's cried out, say, Lord, I've cried out to you, you've heard me, now I can lie down and I can sleep because I know you've got me. The second one, Psalm 37. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And obviously in this psalm, we see, um, we see David reflect the model that Jesus gave us. He went out in the morning. He found time with his father before he embarked on ministry. Jesus sought intimacy with the father. If he sought intimacy with the father, then obviously so much more should we do that. Now, one of the great things about giving a sermon is particularly... Is when you're an academic, is that you want to say everything, obviously. You, know. um, you want to follow all the lines, all the tangents, all the arguments, all the counter-arguments, um, and you just can't do that in 40 minutes. What I want us to, well, what I want God to do tonight is to awaken our hearts to the reality of warfare. Now, we are sons and daughters, and we have a role, and each of those roles will look different, but we all have the ability to bring the kingdom, to bring peace, to bring life. We have the ability to look at injustice and to step into it because this world needs Christians in those horrible places. 
religiously, politically, culturally, spiritually. The Lord wants us in those places. So I want us to wake up. I want us to be willing to ask the Lord, train my hands. Be willing to ask that knowing that if you say that, he might actually bring you something to fight. So ask it carefully. But, but I'm hoping that we'll have this desire to awaken. But please hear me, that even as I say that, I don't want everyone running out gung-ho thinking you can do everything on your own strength. This has to be, has to be, has to be rooted in rest in God. Has to be rooted in intimacy with God. And I'm highly, highly confident that if you press into intimacy, if you press into time with Him, He's going to bring people to you and he's going to bring you into situations where his voice needs to be heard, where his freedom needs to be brought, where salvation needs to come. But let's be willing to say, yes, Lord, I'll do this. Okay. Will you stand with me and let me pray? As I said, pray this if you want to, uh, obviously. Um, Just agree with me in your heart. I know this will um, appeal to the Lord of the Rings fans more than, than anyone else in the room, um, but you know, maybe the best scene for me in all of those movies, Elrond gives Strider Aragorn his sword. And he says, become the king. Because this is a man who has all the authority, all the inheritance, but he's been living as a vagrant, as a Strider, and he's called out and said, become the king. And he's given this new sword. And it's such an incredible picture of the Christian life for me. Of Jesus saying, become the son and the daughter. Take up your sword. Jesus, um, it's... um, it's easy to live life when we are when we're comfortable, when we're safe. But Lord, it's um, it can also be boring and mundane, and we don't have your life. We don't see your kingdom flowing. We don't see darkness falling because of your kingdom moving. Lord, I don't want to be um, I don't want to be timid anymore. I don't want to walk around um, accepting half or a quarter of the inheritance that you've given me, that you won for me. Jesus, I, I ask you to forgive me for every uh, time that I've been passive. Forgive me for the times I've chosen comfort over seeking time with you. 
Forgive me for the times when I've been scared of the darkness, where fear has stopped me from acting. And I haven't turned to you for your will. I receive your forgiveness, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you um, you died and you rose again and your plan was for us to be your sons and daughters, to be brought into the kingdom of God, to be brought into your kingdom and to see your kingdom expand. So Lord, I, I ask that um, just like you did for Elijah's servant, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see. Let us see more clearly what is going on around us. And Lord, I pray that you would train our hands, train our fingers. As David sang, Lord, train our spirits, train our hearts and train our minds, Lord, to be able to fight the battles that you take us into. But Lord, first of all, we declare that we are willing. And we say that, Lord, we say we are willing because we know that to be, to be in this war is to know you more, to have more of you, and there is no greater thing. There is no greater thing. So, Lord, even as I, as I ask you to train us, I ask that you would deepen, deepen our levels of intimacy with you, deepen our knowledge of you, revive our hearts, Lord, revive our spirits. Jesus, I ask this. I ask us that your name will be praised. I ask us that your kingdom will expand. I ask us that life will come to places where there is death. Let your kingdom come, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks, guys. Um... Just a, just a reminder, I just mentioned this briefly, but um, like I said, there was a prophetic word before the service about um, people who are, who are going through really hard times. Um, if sometimes we face battles and we, and, it's, and we fight them with God, we fight them and we do well. Yeah, other times we have to step into community. We have to step in with others when we just, we just don't know what to do anymore. We don't know how to do this. Um, if, you're, if things are going on and you need help, please come up to the front. Come up to the front for all sorts of prayers, which Matt will say now. Um, but please, you're not alone in this place. We would love to pray, and we love to fight over people's lives. All right. Thanks, guys. God bless you.